Hello and welcome to the Grace Avenue Church Podcast. As you listen to this message, I pray that you're built up, encouraged through God's Word, and I pray that His Holy Spirit leads you and guides you in the way that you should go. I pray that He gives you answers for your questions, healing and help for your life. Most importantly, I pray that this Word helps you to become more like Jesus and a greater influence for Him in our church and in your world. Now, let's grow together. Enjoy the message. feel good? Uh, you know what's great about this weather? It's great when it, that it's so cold. It's really bad that my heater went out two days ago. Yeah. But you know what I told myself? <laughs> we lasted through the freeze last year. And it's not going to be that cold. It's not going to be okay. It's good to draw back on past traumatic experiences. <laughs> Cooking hot dogs on uh, two minutes of electricity that you get. Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, Jesus speaking to us. We've been in this series called The Door of Faith. I uh, felt very uh, much the direction to stabilize us this year and pointing the direction for the year towards the lifting up and the encouraging of our faith. Uh, so much of, of what we deal with in life is, is taking a beating sometimes on our faith and our spirit. And so uh, I have seen that not just across the nation in church and with people, but I hear it when I'm speaking to people. I, I can hear... Uh, the tone of the age, the spirit of the age in people's vocabulary. I can hear what people are saying and how they're bringing their life down to the circumstances that we all exist in, forgetting that historically the church has survived so much. And the church has not only survived, but the church continues to thrive century after century after century. And so when people come in speaking doom and gloom, Prophets of doom and gloom, whether they be on CNN or Fox News or even in churches, God help us. We know that God prevails. Historically, God proves that. And historically, God continues to advance his people and build his kingdom. Revelation chapter 3, verse 20 says, this is Jesus by the Spirit uh, in, in Revelation, the Gospel of John. Um, sorry, John speaking here says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. It's God talking to us. It's God talking to his church. It's God talking to his people. I'm standing at the door knocking. At every situation, God is standing at the door knocking. He says, and if anyone hears my voice, now you and I are anyone, not select people, not particular people, not if you've lived this life or that life or the life you think or the life you wish, if anyone hears my voice and opens, everybody say the door anyone opens the door, which means his action requires an action on our part. To open the door to him, I will come in, and in the essence of what he's saying here is he will have relationship with us. He will sit down with us. He will eat with us. He will do life with us. He will speak to us and encourage us in the dark times. Now, the Bible has so much to say about doors. We've been talking about this the last couple of weeks and, and what doors symbolize, the, the entrance into new seasons, into transitions, into new uh, arenas of thinking and, and living and the way we live and the way we talk, new, new ways that we would focus, new goals that we would reach. And the Bible also shows us, though, that we enter those doors and we don't enter through them nor stay entering through them without a struggle. And that's what I want to focus on this morning, the reality of the struggle and the reality of the fight that all of us will face and do face, 
It's not like it's a secret when it comes to entering the doors of faith. Wouldn't it be nice if, if we just, if God was like a genie in a bottle that you just made a wish, you get the wish, you make the wish, you get the wish, and then the wish comes true. Unfortunately, with God, God calls us by faith to enter into doors, and those doors that we walk into require faith to be maintained, right? They can be, the doors can become very squeaky, and then you have to oil those hinges with faith. And, and the Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy uh, is, is, is speaking here in this verse, and this is a letter to, to Timothy, a, a young man in the faith who he is passing the baton on to. He's run his own race. Paul has run in the faith. Paul has existed and lived for the goodness of God and the glory of God. He's preached the gospel town to town, city to city. He's raised up leaders. He's raised up people. And he's running towards the end of his own race in life. And he's in some ways passing the baton mentally, spiritually, emotionally, practically. He is passing on to Timothy Okay, there's some symbolism in this, that as we run our race, we are to pass what God has given us, our faith, right? Isn't it interesting that you can pass an inheritance, and if you're not careful, they don't know how to handle the inheritance. <laughs> uh, you could pass a house, but they don't know how to take care of the house. You could pass a car, but they don't know how to change the oil. <laughs> you could pass a lot of things. How many of you know it's important that we pass the baton of faith? We pass the baton of faith. And Paul says, I have fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. It's almost as if he's writing out his will and his last thoughts. This is towards the end of his life. But this is what he's saying. I have fought the good fight. I finished the race. And I've kept the faith. Three things. I fought the good fight. Okay. I finished the race and I've kept the faith. Through this verse, he's giving us a picture of what it's like to spend a, a life serving, honoring Jesus. And, and at the very end, he's not talking uh, on his Instagram about all his struggles and everything he's been through and taking a selfie and bringing glory to himself. He's not taking a picture of him, you know, running with his baton. He's not taking a picture of himself, you know, just sipping a coffee with his baton off to the side. Not dropping it. What is he doing? He's using the end of his life to encourage another generation. Another generation to follow in his footsteps. And he's saying, I have fought the good fight. I've finished the race. And I have kept the faith. See, life is a fight. And then life is a race. And then life requires that we guard our faith. Okay? He says, life is a fight. Now, life is a good fight. I want to stay there for just a second. Life is a good fight. Right? When we think of a fight, we think of it as, as bad. But in the faith, the fight is good because we're fighting for the good shepherd. We're fighting alongside the good shepherd. We're fighting to build the kingdom. We're fighting to know God. We're fighting to keep our faith. 
Like in the end, when these fights are over and we overcome, like in that, that song we were singing, you brought me back to life. That was a good fight. When that was sung and, and that switched something on in you, and you thought, man, I remember when God brought me back to life at this moment in this time. That was a good fight. It didn't feel like a good fight. Amen? But it's a good fight now that you look back. You can say, God won that battle. Right? What could have taken me out didn't. That's a good fight. What, what should have gotten me into the submission hold and broken me didn't hold me down, and I was able to break loose. That's a good fight. And a good fight for the name of Jesus to be exalted in our life is worth it. A good fight for the name of Jesus to be exalted in my life, through my life, through my business, through my family, through this church, through my friendship, through my personality. A good fight for the name of Jesus to come through every fiber of my being is a good fight. For me to look at areas in my life that are under the banner of the submission of Jesus under the submission of the Spirit. It's a good fight to get those things under the submission of the Holy Spirit so that I'm reflecting the goodness and the glory of God. That's a good fight. And so sometimes we talk about our struggles as if there's doom and gloom attached to them, but really our struggles are a good fight to exalt the name of Jesus over our struggles, over our challenges. Are you with me this morning? See, it's a fight to live with Jesus. And, and let's, just, let's just level the playing field here and let's take the mass media and politics and the condition of humanity and put all of that to the side for a second. And let's just look at the reality of what we were called to as Christians. It's a fight to live for Jesus. I know you have to pay bills. I know you're wondering what's going on in the world. Put, put all of that aside for a second and let's just get back to the basics. It is a fight to live for Jesus. It is a fight to build and keep a foundation on Jesus. It is a fight to trust Jesus through every season, right? You can trust him in your salvation, but then you have to keep trusting him through the seasons. And the faith that got you in the door of salvation is the faith that gets you into the door of the next season and doesn't leave you stranded by the, ro by the roadside, waiting for a good Samaritan to come and pick you up. Faith gets you to the place where you can pick yourself up and say, this isn't going to destroy me. This isn't going to take me out. It's trying. I feel it. It's weighing on my mind, but it's not going to take me out. It's a fight to get through the things that tried to take you out before. See, sometimes the same things keep knocking. It's like you have to keep spraying every season, exterminating around your house around the territory of your heart, around the territory of your mind, because some of the old things come knocking. And they're knocking to get in. They're not just knocking to say hello. Oh, just wanted to let you know we're here. <laughs> Hi, my name is High Anxiety. I just wanted to let you know I'm here. This is my friend, Massive Depression. We just came to have some coffee with you if you wanted to hang out. But I see you've got faith there at the table. I don't want to interrupt uh, so I think I'm just going to hang out here, slam the door in the face of certain things that try to make their way back into your life. See, it's a fight to be born. It's a, it's a fight to live. It's a fight not to die, right? Come on, ladies. Putting that hair color in. Come on, dudes. Coloring that beard. Are you with me? It's a fight 
to stay young in your heart and in your spirit. It's a fight not to get older in your spirit. The older you get, the more cynical you can become. And then you're fighting your own cynicism because you know too much. And you stop giving and you stop serving and you stop helping because you know too much. Okay, y'all aren't ready for that one. We'll save that for another message. Life is a relay race. It's a race to the finish. He says it's a good fight, but then he says it's a race. And I talked about this last week. But I think this is so key because when we read in Western culture and in the American context about a race, we often think about our individual race. And we think about our race of our goals and our dreams and our hopes. And we think of our own strategies and our own prayers and our own focus and where we're going to finish. But the context in which God speaks of every person who follows Jesus running the race is that they're running the race connected to something bigger than themselves. They're not just running for their own dreams. They're not just running for their own uh, trophy at the end that symbolizes who they are as an individual. We're running because we're part of a relay race of God's kingdom with brothers and sisters in Christ. So the way I'm running affects you. If I'm not running, it affects you. If I drop the baton, it impacts you. I may not see it right now, but it impacts another generation. What I could have done, what I should have done, what I might do, all is connected to the future. And so when Paul's encouraging us about the race, he's not telling you, you need to be focused on people who are ahead of you or feeling better about yourself because there's people behind you. He's talking about running your race and knowing that the goal is actually to finish. It is a fight to the finish. That's what I'm talking about this morning. It's a fight to the finish. And, and we have to get the fight part right before we start running. Because in a race, you get tired. And in a race, you can become exhausted. My wife went out of town, I don't know, a couple of years ago. And uh, she left, well, it's about a year ago. She left me the kids. It was only for like three days. But I put on, on, on social media, I was like, I've come to the realization I don't want these kids anymore. <laughs> it was a feeling, right? It was, it was a weight upon me. By the third day, Jesus rose, but by the third day, I was ready for the tomb. I'm just like, kill me now, okay? I'm done. Okay, because there's certain way, when we start running the race as parents, when we start running the race as business owners, when we get past the, the back slaps and the fist bumps and the encouraging words and uh, the random Monday motivation quote that gave us a, a, a kick in the lazy pants, whenever we get into this place where we're emotionally charged, the reality is, is the race is long. And it is a fight to understand that, to have a long-term mindset about our faith, to have a long-term mindset about serving Jesus. Right, And so if you don't connect to that in your faith, what happens is you are uh, hitting highs and lows based upon the quality of your life in a particular season. Okay, this is so key. This isn't in the message. This is coming fresh. This is the hot bread straight out of the Subway oven for you. Okay, you, you, you walk into seasons and God is good if things are good, but God must be bad if things are bad. And we start running our race or stop running our race. And that race is symbolized by faith, devotion, love to God, worship, prayer, 
uh, seeing through the lens of the kingdom, all that is, you know, accelerating our race and our ability to run, or because life isn't going the way I thought, life is not turning out, or there's adversity, or there's difficulty, or frustrations in my life, or things I can't control, which is every person's life. Every person has adversity, every person faces difficulty, every person faces challenge, then God's goodness is floating out here in the cosmos, and my opinion about it is, is negative. Okay, nothing is more dangerous for your faith than your feelings in a bad season. <laughs> what you think about God at the worst moment of your life, in the worst seasons of your life, can literally unhinge you from your faith and leave you by the roadside, waiting for a good Samaritan to come. And what I'm trying to say this morning is you have to have and continue to steward and, and fan the flame of a long-term mindset when it comes to your faith. Faith is not really about what's happening right now. Faith is about running the relay race and finishing and passing this thing off to someone. It's about finishing. It's about finishing. It's about finishing. The goal is not just to run. The goal is not just to make money. The goal is not just to be busy. The goal is not just to, to hug my kids tighter when things are so bad. All I could say when I watched CNN today was I just, I just hugged my kids a little tighter. It's not about now. Those kids are a gift to me. I'm stewards of those kids. I don't own those kids. As much as I think I own those kids, and as much as those kids cost, I don't own them. They're on loan. They're from God. They're a gift. I'll be held accountable. I'll stand before him someday. I'll answer for my life. I'll answer for those kids. I'll answer for this church. I'll answer for things that God put into my hands. What I did with it. What did I do in, those, in that race? Did I, did I keep it to myself? Did I pass those things? See, the, the, the fight is what we don't, want, we don't like. We don't like the fight part. We, we want to rub the lamp of the genie, and we just want it to happen. And nowhere in Scripture do we see people just rubbing lamps, and things just happens. And, and then it's all just good. And, and so why am I saying this? I'm not saying this to be condescending of anybody's journey. I'm, I'm telling you, my inner dialogue, this is Daniel's diary. You want to know what Daniel's been fighting through all his life? This. That it doesn't just have to be good and go my way for God to be great. Okay? That in hard times, I've had to land somewhere, and I still have to land somewhere, right? And I've got to land in the place that this is a fight, and this is a race. And it's a good fight. It's a fight that's worth it. See, when Janelle and I used to, to date uh, 21 years ago when we first met each other, she used to ask me, what do you want to do? Which is a very good question to ask somebody that you're dating. What do you want to do with your life? Um, and, but in my romantic way, I would give her a very nice, dreamy language to say that I really don't know. But I would shower it with many, many words that were basically saying, I don't know where I'm going and I don't know what I want to do. Um, but I would say this often, all joking aside, I would say this often, I just want to help people. I know I'm called to help people. I know God put this in me. Now, this, what we're doing now, I had no idea that this was part of God's plan. I'm very grateful for it now. I'm very thankful for it. I feel called to it. It's very clear now. But it wasn't then. 
It wasn't then. And here's the thing. The fruit of what was coming, I couldn't see it. All right, Chris, who got up here earlier, I didn't know that he would come when he was in college, and I didn't know his, his future wife would come here, and then I didn't know that they would end up getting married, and that I'd do the marriage, and then they would have a child, and that they would be part of our ministry team here, and, and I could say that about so many here. There's different people that somehow came into the flow of what God was calling me to, me stepping on the brakes and saying, because I don't understand it all, and because it's a fight, and because it's hard... And because this race is long and things haven't happened in two years, I'm out. I'm going to create my own race. I'm going to create my own path. See, you, you don't accomplish all God has for you by next week. And you don't get all the tools you need by next week. Right? Some of you are asking for a hammer, but God's saying, this is the tool you need. It's a screwdriver right now. In five years, you'll need the hammer. Right now, But right now, you need the screwdriver. But we demand. We demand the hammer. We demand it right now. And we don't understand why it's not working, why it's not happening. I'm helping you this morning. If you're like, actually, no, Daniel, I'm lost. Um, just hang on. There's, it gets better. All right. And then, he, then he says this. I have kept the faith. Now, that word kept, in, in the, the actual translation of that means to guard it. It means to guard. It doesn't mean to keep it as if, oh, I kept, you gave me $100 and I kept it. It means to guard it. I have kept, I have guarded all my life. He's telling Timothy, I've guarded the faith that God has birthed in me. I have kept a safeguard on this, right? He doesn't say, I, it's loosely been in my pocket and kind of fallen out here and there. No, he worked to keep and guard and protect the faith of his soul and the faith of his spirit and the faith that changed his life because it's easy in difficult seasons. And if you read about Paul's life, the abuse, left for dead, right? Uh, um, physically assaulted, physically beaten. Um, every time he would preach the gospel, being attacked and judged and accused. And in, instead of becoming bitter about that and saying, God, I'm serving you, and you're not making this fight easy, you're not making this right easy, he becomes stronger in his faith. He becomes more determined in his faith. He gets more revelation through the fight. He gets more revelation in the race. He gets more understanding. He gets a bigger picture and a bigger view of the cost and the struggles and the things that he's walking through. And it stops being about him, and it starts being about the bigger picture that God has connected him to. And he doesn't see that Daniel at Grace Avenue, 2,000 years later, is connected to his faith. He doesn't see that you're connected to his faith, but he kind of does because he's beginning to see through the struggle that there's something bigger that he's connected to than just what he's going through. Because what you're going through has the ability to cloud everything that's possible in the future and to label God and to label life. And to, come on, you know, you know you work with people who checked out a long time ago. Like they're just making money. That's it. Right? The, the bitter one, right? You, you seeing anyone? Oh, I don't, I'm not dating men again. All men are dogs. All men are horrible. I will never. When was the last time you went on a date? Uh, 1984, and I'm never doing it again. Uh, that guy was an, uh, an animal. He was a liar. It's like you know, you could give it another shot. You know, there's it has has been a while. There's this thing called the internet. You could just find their pictures on Facebook, and you know, just kind of nose around their page. And then just give it a look and, and see, you know, they've checked out. They're done. 
And that's the tendency that we go to. And, you know, we're judging a generation for a cancel culture. But we've been doing this all our life. We just didn't have the social media to do it. But we shut things out and cut people off and stop talking to people. And it's the product of human nature to crown ourselves king over a season or a topic or a thing that we think we know the most about. I know all about marriage. I'll never get married again. So you're the king of marriage. You, you, you wrote the manual on marriage, right? It's getting a little touchy right now, isn't it? Because there are areas in our life where we become very, very much the king or the queen and the know-it-all of these things. And we start missing the mark that there's a fight to keep our spirit right. There's a race that we're running that's, that's not just connected to this and what we're going through. Yes, there's a piece of it here that's connected. I'm learning something through this season. Okay? But what this is really about is trying to rob me of my faith. It's trying to get my focus off Jesus. See, okay, I want to I try around the corner with this. Um, to say that you have faith in Jesus Christ, which is, as, as Christians, this is what we proclaim, this is what we stand on, that we have faith in an eternal God who was crucified, who rose from the dead, who died for the sins of mankind once and for all, who now sits on the throne looking at us, who we with Hebrews chapter 11, a great cloud of witnesses. The, the Bible says that by faith, Abraham, by faith, Noah, by faith, Enoch, by faith, all of these people went and lived this life, right? By faith, which is what we're talking about here, we enter into this door of faith. And to say that we have faith in Jesus Christ as the Savior of our life is to position ourselves where we say we have aligned ourselves with a plan that's greater than our own plans. So when something doesn't happen in my plan the way I thought it would, which is pretty much most of my life, can anybody else say amen? <laughs> I didn't think it would go this way. I didn't think that would happen. I didn't think. Now, why I didn't think that, I guess that's for a counselor to help me unravel. <laughs> But somehow we paint pictures of the way we think life is going to go and the way it should be. Very little of the time are we ever asking or getting God's approval on any of that. We're actually praying, right, for God to bless what we've dreamed up, which is kind of good but kind of not good. And then just seeking him when the problems come, 911, fix this, 911, help that. And all the while, God's trying to get us to see that there's a greater plan than the one that we put together. See, to say that I've put my faith in Jesus Christ is to align myself with his eternal plan. Okay, this is not, this is not too out there for us to understand. To say that I've entered the door of faith and I've stepped into faith with Jesus means I've stepped into a kingdom that's not my own. I've stepped into a plan that's not my own. I've stepped into goals and dreams that are not my own. I, I've stepped into this life with gifts that I didn't even give myself. Like, how, how is there room for any pride in my life, for anything that I accomplished, knowing that I didn't actually give myself the gifts, the ability to understand, the ability to articulate or comprehend or, or work? I, I didn't just, I wasn't born in the womb and started doing, I grew into something that was placed in me, right? You were grown and something was placed in you. You're good at things that others can't do. You're able to do things that others can't. There's a reason for this, right? It's, there's an authority when we come into the kingdom that's greater than our own, right? There's a plan that's greater than our own. There's a strategy that's greater than our own. There's an opinion of ourselves that's greater than our own, 
there's a thought process about our life and our journey that's greater than our own. And it's those things that are a fight for us to get our head around. What I'm trying to say this morning is that when you said yes to Jesus, you said yes to stepping into a larger faith story than the one that's very small that you've created for yourself. Where God's goodness starts and stops based on whatever the heck is going on in life. Okay? If you never feel more abandoned when things go wrong in life, you never feel more abandoned by God, you need to take a step back and really check yourself. And you need to go back to the reality of that there are blessings that you are experiencing right now that people on this earth, approximately 3 billion, if we're getting really honest, probably more, but numerically about 3 billion, that if, if they break their arm today, they're not going to get the type of health care, whether it's free or you're paying, you know, an arm and a leg for it, that you're getting today. And that you can discuss your, your, your problems over a cup of coffee or a meal that will cost you, when it's all said and done, 20, 25, 30 bucks. And that that's the entire amount someone will make, maybe in about three or four years. And it's really hard for us to get this around our head that type of fight that people are already living, yet they are some of the most faith-filled people in the world. But here we are reducing our life down. I, I'm, can you hear what I'm saying? Can you hear the heart of what I'm saying? That I'm not trying to say, oh, people are poor. We should feel so really bad about that. Oh, well, I've got a nice cup of Starbucks and that feels good. No, no, it's deeper than that. That all your life you've been walking in blessing that you've been overlooking. That faith is around you. That the race is being run by people around you. And the temptation is to put your eyes on everything that's going on with you. It's the temptation of the heart to call us back into our own story rather than running the larger context of God's story. See, Hebrews 11.6 says this, without faith, everybody say without faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists, which we do. But that's often where we stop but that he's also a rewarder of those who diligently, earnestly, passionately, consistently seek after him, go after him. God said about David that he was a man who would do all his will, not some of his will, all of his will. And what does it mean to be a rewarder? That, that word means properly, it means giving rewards in keeping with one's own values, in keeping with one's own values. In other words, God gives rewards according to his economy, according to his character, his nature. He gives us what we actually need, not what we actually want. And he gives things according to... It's like if I go into a foreign country and, and I'm expecting that when I work, I get American currency, but they pay in foreign currency. And then I get mad at them because they paid me in foreign currency. I was like, well, I'm American. I want American currency. Well, this is wherever we pay in this currency. When you come into the kingdom through the door of faith, God rewards you in his currency, in his nature, in his character. In, in there are, and for us, money is money and reward is reward. It's, it's kind of like monies and dreams and, and things happening the way we want them to. That's our reward system, us getting what we want. But in God's economy, there are things that he rewards you with that impact for generations to come. 
See, the reward that God has given you may not be seen until your grandchildren come. It may not be paid out until your grandchildren come. You're saying, God, pay me now. And pay me now in, in this way and in this manner. God's like, no, actually, I have something for your children that you haven't even experienced for yourself because you've shut the door of faith on it. So I'm going to offer this to your children and to your grandchildren and believe that they're going to see the value of the currency that, that I offer. This is the bigger picture thinking. Are we okay this morning? All right, let me close with this. Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. What is that? It's the essence of God is able whether I feel like it or not. God is able whether this turns out the way I wanted it to or doesn't. God is, is king of kings and lord of lords whether this works out the way I thought it would or it doesn't. Now, I don't know about you, but that was a very hard place for me to come to because in my mind, my economy is that God would reward me according to ways that I think he should reward me. But in reality, when I stepped through the door of faith, I said yes to God's surrender. I said yes to God's rewards. I said yes to God's authority. I said yes to God's opinion about me. I said yes to God's strategy for my life. And I, I had to reduce my life back down, not like a turtle in its shell, but definitely by like someone who understands that they're covered by something greater than their own understanding about life and the situations going on. I recognize this about hard times as I stroke my gray beard here like Gandalf. I realize this about hard times. They're hard. However, every time I push through it, there are relationships that come out of it. There's revelation of God that comes out of it. There's wisdom I've experienced and learned that I pass on. There's faith that I've increased in because it didn't kill me and I thought it was going to. Uh, I realized there's more strength in me than I realized was possible because God strengthens those who are weak. But we don't want to be weak. We don't want to feel weak in a season, but it's God's strength that we know through our own weakness. But we don't want to be weak, but we need God's strength. So we have to surrender to our own weakness and understand that God's strength lifts me up. And while it may be very American to pick ourselves up by our own bootstraps, there is a God who will pick you up, though you fall seven times. And so it's like a scale that we have to weigh out in hard times. Am I leaning into, I've got this. I'm going to fight. I'm going to run this race. I want to keep this faith. But is it a faith in yourself? Or is it a faith that's connected to something far greater, far bigger than maybe what you've even imagined? A faith that's connected to God. See, you can't have faith and understand it all. That's what all what Hebrews 11 is about. By faith, Abraham did this, not knowing. He went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, Noah built. By, he built. See, sometimes you're building not knowing. You're going not knowing. 
And then God outlines this picture of Hebrews 11 and says, all these people here, they are the great cloud of witnesses that now stand and cheer you on in faith. They cheer you on. They celebrate you. They stand for you. The very, the very American way of thinking of this is, why doesn't God just wrap it up like a nice three-minute song or hour-and-a-half movie or a good Netflix series where it all just works out in my favor? Because that's fantasy. And this is life and it's reality. And it has real pain and real struggles that we got to fight through. And it has real things that we overcome. So let's stand. I've done my best. To do what I think today was more of a canvas that was empty. And I tried to paint a picture for you. And what I would love for us to do is I would like for us to worship together. And not just take this in as, as information, but as, as revelation. Because sometimes we, a good word kind of works like this. It has to sit in the crock pot of worship for a little while so that it can marinate and soak up the spirit of all the marinate that's in the atmosphere. And right now, faith is in the atmosphere. And you want to see the goodness of God. And you want to know that he's with you. So let's close our eyes. Worship begins with a posture. It's a heart directed towards the presence of God. It's turning our face towards God. The, the Bible says that uh, Moses knew God's ways and the people of Israel knew God's acts. They knew the acts that he did, but Moses knew his ways. I want to know his ways. I don't just want to know his acts. I want to know his ways. I want to know who he is greater. I want to stop wasting time for a year or two yes. or five emotionally or spiritually or physically on things where they've been roadblocked for a long time, but I'm thinking I can kick them down. The way you're going to fight and run the race in this season and this next part of your life is not going to be like you've done it before. It's going to require a new level of surrender. A new level of surrender. Lord, do it in us. Well, I pray that that word blessed you. If you'd like to know more about Grace Avenue Church or want to know more about how to be a part of what God has called us to here in the city of San Antonio, or if you'd like to sow financially into our vision and mission, please visit us online at graceavenuechurch.com. Thanks so much for listening. We hope to see you soon.